Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang, joined by the mighty Thea Harper here on the 335th floor of the Howard Stern Tower, high above Gotham. We are the only people in the building tonight, and we are bringing you the power from here in New York City. The great Thea Harper producing our show. Chris Househeld's off somewhere. We didn't catch all the details. I, I, I'm pretty sure I heard the word peyote. That's what I, It might have been Chipotle, but I think it was peyote. It, it could have been either. It could have been both at the same time, knowing Chris Houseelt. He's not here with us tonight. So Thea's my boss. The great Jake Getz is helping us out running this beast as well. And thank you very much, Thea, for, for being so gentle with me. Hello to everybody listening live. Our evil army of the night. It's great to hear from you. If you're on the road on the West Coast, I hope you're being okay. I'm terrified about this weather. Please drive safely. Uh, and we'd love to hear from everybody, of course, who's part of our daywalkers. If you listen the next day on demand, on the app, on uh, to the John People Saying podcast. You guys are always, we read your letters, but you're always allowed to call in some night if you're hanging around and bored. Either way, if you're on the West Coast, please, please, please. Be sure your neighbors are safe. If you know any old folks, if there's animals around, just make sure everyone in your area is as okay as you can check. Severe storms might dump another six inches of rain on Southern California after days of rain that's caused flash flooding and mudslides. The National Weather Service said this is one of the most dramatic weather days in recent memory. National Weather Service warns of extreme impacts in some areas. The the brunt of the storm this morning was straight in L.A., One and a half million people in Los Angeles under a flash flood warning. Uh, Heavy winds all across the region. And this unstable weather pattern could generate water spouts or small tornadoes. Uh, This is the tail end of that atmospheric river storm that knocked out power to so many California homes and businesses. And then it got worse today. Also, much love over there to uh, King Charles, diagnosed with cancer today. Um, The cancer was identified after he went for a corrective procedure last week at the London Clinic while seeking treatment for uh, his prostate. And um, he's halting his public duties, 
Buckingham Palace is not disclosing the type of cancer he has or how far it has progressed. Now, look, if, if you listen to this show, we make fun of the royal family a lot. We do. I'm allowed to. I'm married to someone who's made me watch every single episode of The Crown. I consider that my birthright. Just like, you know, Prince Andrew gets away with certain things. Um, but no jokes about this. Uh, you know, I think about Charles all the time. This poor guy. Oh, this poor bastard. You know, raised in a world where he's never going to know what it's like to be a normal person. Raised with a family that can never be normal people. Not allowed to marry who he loved. Had to marry someone he didn't love who was 10 times as popular as him. And imagine you have a job where you can only get one promotion. Like, like you have one job your whole life. And you're eligible for one promotion. And you only get it when your mom dies. That's, that's... It's not as great as it sounds. And then, of course, imagine waiting 74 years for your one promotion, getting it, and then finding out less than a year later you have cancer. So I wish Charles a very speedy recovery. Uh, this is the Charlesiest thing that could have happened to Charles, and, and I, I'd, I'd like to see him have a couple happy years. I, I think he deserves that as a fake king. So God bless Charles. Now we're at 866-997-4748. And I want to begin tonight uh, talking about this. I, I should be shocked at the how public this rebuke was by Donald Trump of someone who's been completely, blindly, slavishly obedient to him for so long. National Re Committee Chair of the Republican Party, Ronna McDaniel. Ronna Romney McDaniel. She did everything for him. She attacked anyone he wanted attacked. She raised money any way she could. She pushed every lie he spread. She dropped her name, Romney, because she's a cousin of Mitt. She dropped her name, Romney, to please Donald Trump because he didn't like how her cousin Mitt told the truth about him. And together, they were a team, Ronna McDaniel and Donald Trump. They lost big time in 2018. They lost humiliatingly in 2020. They lost big time again in 2022. And they lost plenty last year. It was beautiful. I love these two together. I don't want to see this breakup. I mean, they, they've lost so many elections. Republicans should have won. Now, most Republicans have never heard of her. But Donald Trump got only half the vote in Iowa and New Hampshire. So anything that's not going well with the party, it's got to be her fault. And Donald Trump went on Maria Bartiromo and pretty much said, she's the reason she's got to go. We've been losing these elections. She's done. It's Trump who didn't get the votes. It's Trump who half of Iowa GOP voted against him. But this is Donald Trump's loyalty. And in Trump world, loyalty is something that goes both ways. But when Trump says loyalty, he means obedience. And Ronna McDaniels is now discovering what Donald Trump's lawyers and his private contractors and his cabinet members and the suckers from January 6th and his wives have already learned. When he says loyalty, he only means obedience for you. And like his lawyers, contractors, cabinet members, January 6th suckers and wives, uh, Ronna pretty much deserves it. And, you know, someone asked Ann Coulter on social media, what was the best thing Trump could do for America? And, and she answered, die? I disagree. I do not want to see Donald Trump die. I've said this many times. I want him to live a very long time, preferably in The Hague, if that can be arranged. But I don't want him to die or suffer. I, 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 I want three ghosts to visit him on Christmas Eve and turn him into a good person. Uh, and you should be healthy. Stay alive a long time so you can witness Donald Trump's funeral someday. But I, I want it to be very, very long from now. Many years, many convictions, many grandchildren changing their last name. And I'll, I'll come back to Ann and Ron in a second. 
But right now, the Senate's getting ready to vote on whether to advance this $118 billion emergency package, which has huge changes to immigration law, plus funding for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. And Joe Biden has done it. He got a bipartisan agreement, just like Barack Obama did 10 years ago, delivering immigration reform and aid to our allies. And just like Barack Obama 10 years ago, the Republicans are running away from their own deal. And now they're waging war between the House and Senate to stop this legislation months in the development from ever passing. And if it fails, and it's probably going to fail, it's going to be because Donald Trump and the House Republicans killed their own bill. Trump and Mike Johnson have hit the brakes on this because they are fearing if this bill actually works, that might ruin their entire strategy for 2024, which is blame Biden. Blame him for everything. And you might recall it was Republicans way back in the day, like last year, who said any aid to Ukraine, any aid to Israel has to be paired with a change to border policy. They would not allow us to help repel Vladimir Putin's genocidal invasion unless we attached it to the invasion at our border. And again, they're all frauds. Every Republican is a fraud on this issue. None of them care. If any Republicans cared about undocumented immigration, they'd want to lock up the employers or do all the hiring. They don't. It's all a scam. But this is what they did. They wouldn't provide funds to Ukraine because we were being invaded. And our own national security, it's not safe. There's going to be fentanyl coming across the border. Being sold to Americans who are trying to buy fentanyl, it's bad. This new bill, this immigration bill, it's going to do a lot of things Republicans have said they wanted for a long time. It's going to make it a lot harder for people who are on our soil. And if you're on our soil, you're legally allowed to claim asylum. It's going to be a lot harder for them to qualify for asylum. It's going to channel major new expenditures into border security, more detention of migrants, expedited processing of asylum claims so they're not sitting around for years waiting to be heard in a court, getting rid of the backlogs in migrant processing, faster removals from the country for those who don't qualify. So many things Republicans have wanted for so long. It's going to create a new authority for the president to shut down asylum seeking completely once encounters with migrants hit an average of 4,000 per day. And if there's 5,000 encounters, it's not to say people on the soil, just encounters. You see one across the border. That's an encounter. At 5,000 encounters per day, asylum shuts down completely. Amnesty International has said this deal contains, and I quote, the most extreme anti-immigrant proposals this country has seen in 100 years. Today, Amnesty International accused Joe Biden of pulling from Donald Trump's playbook of cruelty. It's a mean bill. It's mean enough to poor brown people willing to risk their lives to come here to work shit jobs white people don't want. It's mean enough to please some Republicans, but not anymore. Mitch McConnell's been defending this. He said, Senate Republicans were insisted not just for months, but for years, this urgent crisis demanded action. And they've said it for years, and they've called it a crisis. When Donald Trump was president, they called it a crisis, and they demanded bipartisan action. And now they're killing the House vote because they know in the House it would pass. It would pass. It would help solve the problem Republicans helped create. And that can't happen. Donald Trump wrote a post on his filth social website. Only a fool or a radical left Democrat would vote for this horrendous border bill, which only gives shutdown authority after 5,000 encounters a day when we already have the right to close the border now, which must be done. Don't be stupid. Um, here's Congressman John Joyce from Pennsylvania. He says this new border bill, it's only going to make our nation more dangerous. Do we have the clip? 
If we don't have it, that's good. Anyway, he's Republican saying it's going to be worse. So here's the deal. That's okay if it's not working. Why are they coming here? Because of the jobs. The jobs. There's a big help wanted sign in our border giving out jobs. And they will never, Republican Party will never stop undocumented border crossings. If they wanted it to stop, they'd lock up the goddamn white people doing the hiring. If you believe Republicans on the border, you are taking part in your own hoodwinking. Donald Trump has hired undocumented immigrants in two different centuries because he didn't feel like paying American workers a living wage. You cult of blind obedience stooges. Now, also, we like hearing how our immigration system is so broken. It takes so long to process the asylum seekers. So they they just come here illegally. They get a better life because it takes so long. They just sneak in. They do better than applying for asylum. It can take five years or more for asylum seekers to be processed because there's not enough staff. Well, for years, we said, let's tax the rich more. People keep voting for that. So Biden tried to hire a lot more IRS agents to help tax the rich more. Republicans freaked out. They said, we got to process these asylum claims faster. Well, let's hire a lot of people to do it. No, the House Republican opposition to the border bill is not because they think it's a bad bill. They're not opposing it now. This bill they've worked on for a year because they think it's bad. They're opposing it. Because they think it would be popular and it would wreck their strategy of saying Joe Biden alone owns what happens at our southern border. Everything is awful is their entire strategy. And this would hurt that. Senator Chris Murphy said, if it's good for the country, but bad for Donald Trump, what do you choose? And now Axios reports Trump allies are counting on all 31 senators who've endorsed Trump to come out against the bill. It's dead. Trump needs a border crisis to stay messy. He needs it to be a mess for another year so he can use his strongest talking point to attack Joe Biden. That's it. That's the racket. Greg Sargent in The New Republic wrote earlier today, uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson's reaction to the announcement of a deal late Sunday from a bipartisan group of senators was particularly telling. The bill, Johnson said, is dead on arrival in the House because it won't come close to ending the border catastrophe the president has created. How many lies did you count in that sentence? God, this guy, the fakeness of his Christianity. When's someone going to call him out for bearing false witness and not welcoming the stranger? Well, when are they going to call all Republicans out for not really following the religion they pretend to follow? But, but Greg Sargent continues saying, in saying this, Johnson exposed the real Republican calculation. If the bill passes... Biden might no longer fully own what happens at the border. Republicans will have participated in passing a solution, making it harder for them to blame Biden for it. That's plainly why Donald Trump keeps urging Republicans to kill the bill. And they're all, if you put on Fox News like I did over the weekend, they're all screaming, it's going to allow 5,000 migrants and illegals to come every day. No, 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 no. I know you don't like the fine print. That refers to the encounters with migrants. Okay, they're put in the system. Their law, their claims were adjudicated. A lot get released while they're waiting for hearings. But the law requires if you're picked up on American soil, you can have an asylum hearing if sought. That's the law. And Donald Trump released hundreds of thousands of migrants under those same terms. And ignorant, racist fucking white people don't know it because ignorant, racist fucking Fox News doesn't tell people. So then there's James Langford. Creepy plastic doll come to life and now a creepy plastic Republican senator from Oklahoma and his colleagues have abandoned him because of Donald Trump. 
Trump went on Dan Bongino today and said, it's a very bad bill for his career. People in Oklahoma, they're not going to be happy about this. And they asked him, why is, why is Trump attacking you? And he said, I don't know, other than he has a different job than I have. His job is running for president. Obviously, a chaotic border is helpful to him. Let's see if we can play it. We don't have it. No worries. So thickening the plot amidst all of this today, the Border Patrol Union says they support and endorse Biden's right-wing draconian immigration deal, the bipartisan one. Border Patrol Union calls it a step in the right direction. Trump and the MAGA House are whining that this could pass, and the Border Patrol endorses it. And the Border Patrol Union says it would drop illegal border crossings nationwide. And the U.S. Border Patrol does not like Joe Biden. They are made up of a lot of right-wing white jarheads who hate Joe Biden. And they just endorse the border deal. But Donald Trump and Mike Johnson know more than the Border Patrol Union, don't they? They said they support and endorse the bipartisan deal, saying it's not perfect, but far better than the status quo. And the House Republicans are refusing to even take it up because they know they'd probably lose. It's all on them, guys. They are killing this bill and it deserves to backfire on them badly in November. Because if you are not a millionaire, Republicans have nothing to offer you except umbrage. They'll tell you who to be mad at. They'll tell you who to blame. They'll scapegoat on your ass all day long. They're not going to help you. They're not going to help you with your health care or your student loan payments or the pollution in your air and water. They're not going to make your life any better. What they're going to do is try to impeach Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas this week. I, but I don't even know if they have enough votes to do it anymore. They've been trying to impeach Joe Biden. They realize that's a joke and it's not going to work. So they're trying to impeach the Department of Homeland Security Secretary because he's helping an invasion that we won't do anything about. This is the Republican Party. Well, you, you black people get shot by cops because you don't do just what the police tell you to do. Also, we don't have to follow the Supreme Court. Fuck them. And we could be patriots and fly the Confederate flag. And we could be Christians and like Donald Trump. So yeah, uh, America hasn't done enough to help the border and we can't help the border. I mean, it works if you're trying to get the stupid people that like you to continue liking you. But every single Democrat's going to vote against impeaching Mayorkas. Every one of them. And Republicans went into this Congress with a tiny, tiny majority in the House. 222 seats for Republicans, 213 for Democrats. And what's happened since then? Well, Kevin McCarthy's gone. Uh, George Santos is gone. Bill Johnson of Ohio just left to run Youngstown State University. None of those seats have been filled. So now they're, they're down to 219 seats. It's only going to take 216 votes to pass these articles of impeachment. But Steve Scalise, who, who voted against research for stem cell treatments, he's been absent for the past month because he's having a stem cell transplant. <laughs> he's fucking godless hypocrites. My God. So <laughs> that has that has him down one more. And then Ken Buck from Colorado said he's not going to impeach the first cabinet secretary in over 150 years. And other Republicans like Tom McClintock and David Joyce said they don't know how they'll do it. If Ken Buck is joined by three other Republicans, the articles of impeachment are dead on the House floor. And they're going ahead anyway. And they might not have the votes to impeach the guy. So why are they doing it? Why would you try to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security when you might not have the votes? And when you're blocking anything that would help his job be easier? Because they got nothing to go to the dumb white people with. Republicans need something to go to their voters with. Even if it's just, hey, we took over and we fired uh, our speaker and uh, we did this. This impeachment's going nowhere, brothers and sisters. The Senate already said it's dead on arrival. All this does is satisfy the slobbering racist goobers that already support this party. Trump wants to run on the border. 
so he can maybe win something and then maybe have a border deal. And he also wants to hand Ukraine to Russia as a quid pro quo. That's all this is about. They want to weaken Ukraine. They want to increase Russia's chances. Mueller, she wrote, said, seems to me President Biden called the House Republicans bluff. They asked for a border bill. They got one. Now they're proving they were never going to pass one because they need a problem to run on and they were never going to fund Ukraine. The Senate Republican leadership is up for it. Some House Republicans are for it. Democrats, President, Border Patrol Union, not MAGA. Chuck Schumer said to Mike Johnson, stop letting a few extremists run your show. Do the right thing. The best political outcome for Democrats, I think, House Republicans are going to kill the bill. They're going to kill it. And they're going to alienate the voters even more. And Democrats will talk about how they had a bill and Republicans killed it. And now Democrats are not going to have to support this ugly right wing draconian bill that's going to alienate their base anyway. If Democrats pass this thing, (laughs) liberals will be furious at them. This is the most comprehensive border security bill in more than 40 years. Republicans are not going to get a better deal from Democrats on this. And 53% of Americans say they will definitely not support Donald Trump in 2024. 53. Another 11% say they will probably not support him in 2024. He's the incumbent. And 45% of Republican primary voters don't want him. I mean, House Republicans may win the battle by blocking this bill, but they're not going to win the battle at the ballot box for the year. The only people that are cheering this are people that are already voting for Republicans. And that's all. So Ann Coulter is wrong. Dying is not the best thing Trump could do for America. The best thing Trump could do for America is to keep on losing, keep on lying, keep on being pathetic, keep on eroding your base, and keep on reminding people how disgustingly unchristian your brand of Christian nationalism is. Oh, yeah. And Mike Johnson, you can look over behind yourself in the MAGA swamp and watch Ronna Romney McDaniels sinking after years of blind obedience to Trump. Broheim, You're about to find out what happens to the political lives of people who do everything Donald Trump tells them to do, expecting he means loyalty. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. We will be right back. This is SiriusXM Progress. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Right now, I am so pleased to welcome our next guest to the show. Harold Pope Jr. is a member of the New Mexico State Senate representing District 23. He is a retired Air Force officer, a nonprofit leader, a New Mexico State Senator from District 23, and the New Mexico Senate Majority Caucus Chair. Uh, He's also served on the Conservation Committees and the Senate Education Committee as Vice Chair. Uh, Senator Pope, it is a real pleasure to welcome you to SiriusXM Progress. You mentioned in the in the break that you had listened to Stephanie Miller. I'm astonished you'd be willing to come on the show after all that. Well, thank you so much. Well, you know, I you know I still decided to come in, so I thought you'd be nice to me. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, thank you. Usually, you know, like a Nancy Pelosi hears us once and has the good sense to run away. So we've drawn you into our right. web of lies. I'm grateful to have you. Um, yeah. I, I, I really an honor. It's a I, I'm, I'm a deep deep lover of your state. I uh, Albuquerque is one of my favorite places in the world. And I want to ask about your career and what it's like serving in the state Senate of New Mexico, because throughout your life, you've always focused on some form of public service from your time in the military, your nonprofit days. What was it that made you decide to shift your service to state government and go for it in the New Mexico Senate? Sure. You know, my life, um, I, you know, I'm the oldest of five kids. Parents got divorced in middle school and growing up, I had struggles. I did, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. I never thought college was an option for me. Um, I was never really pushed there. You know, my family did, but I never really seen people that look like me. Right. So much like here in New Mexico, you have an, a population here in New Mexico, about 3% African-Americans. I grew up in a little small town, Pueblo, Colorado. It's probably about 2%. And so I really didn't see people that look like me um, in high positions or professionals to where I seen that I could get there and I could be there. Right. Um, and so when I graduated, I decided, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go to college. And I decided to go into the military. And that's when I actually got support and got some mentorship and, uh, made a military career. I ended up going to college. I have three master's degrees. And it's all because a lot of the mentorship and people investing in me. And so when I retired, it was like, what what do I do next? And so um, I was always politically active in the sense of caring about what happens in my community. Um, there's limits to that in the military, the role we can play as far as we can't that. be campaigning, right? Yeah. And But I donated, I voted, um, always expressed my opinions on a personal level. And so when I retired, I always thought, well, I would love to get into politics um, and maybe work for an elected official. I always thought maybe I'd work for maybe my congresswoman and maybe be uh, an advisor, maybe work military veterans issues. Mm-hmm. And people in my community stepped up and said, you know, you need to run for Senate and uh, they would support me. And so in 2020, I decided to step up, run for Senate, ended up flipping a three uh, a Republican seat from a three-term Republican member of the state Senate. 
And in doing that, I became the first African-American state senator here in New Mexico. And at the time, I didn't really realize that that's what was going to happen. Really? Um, it you was really, know, you yeah. You didn't know I in mean, the campaign? I, no. So at the end, I started hearing that. Um, but I think we started following up and checking on it. And then, um, you know, you don't want to make that about the campaign, right? Of course. And so course. You're, you're, you're thinking about that. But the focus was winning. Um, but I will tell you, after I won, it was really humbling because in this small community of African-Americans in this state, I recognize the fact that there are some great people here who deserve that honor just as much or even more than me in a way. And I'm in a position to where I was able to run and, and win a seat. And I say that because New Mexico has a unique um, situation. We are the last unpaid legislature in the nation. That's right. So we only get per diem for official meetings or when we're in session right now. So for many people, they just cannot afford financially to even run for state Senate or for the house. And so to be here has been awesome. Um, a lot of people, um, have really just been embracing what I'm doing, but I think most importantly is just having a voice in the Senate that's never been there. Um, and so, yeah, and I, I'll, I'll let you ask another well, question because no, I, I could just keep talking. I, well, Sorry, I apologize. I, no, not at all. No, I guess the real concern would be that um, in, in a system where you're not paid for service in the legislature, that it would be very easy to get, let's just say, um, corporate flunkies who live off the tips to run for local office and drown out the actual public service seekers like yourself. I, I'm curious, were you always um, a Democrat or a progressive? And, and how did your time in the armed forces inform your political outlooks? Sure. I, I think you brought up a point of the unpaid legislature. It makes, you know, a job that's unpaid. So it makes really campaign contributions, right? right? Even more powerful. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I, I would say in the military, I've always was always um, I think I found myself becoming a Democrat when I went to college. When I first went in the Air Force, I enlisted after high school. I got out and went to college full time to get a degree, joined the Air Force ROTC program and got my commission and became an officer. And so I think that's where I kind of found um, my political calling on which party I was aligned with. And then I became more progressive. Uh, sometimes in the in the military, you know, um, maybe there were some there were some discussions with a lot of folks that didn't agree with me. Um, but one thing about the military is uh, we really focus on a mission and, and politics don't come into play. But I will tell you from a lot of my friends that I'm still friends with today, many of them are Republicans and very conservative just because the organization is that way. Right. Yeah. But I always kept kind of my progressive values and, 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 you know, being a Democrat and that's kind of where I've always been. And now that I'm an elected official, um, I still talk about those policies because being a progressive, even if you're a conservative or, you know, or a libertarian, the values that we have, they can agree with. A lot of times it's yeah. just people use the labels to attack them. But when you talk to them about it, they're in agreement. And one thing I think that's been to my benefit, having that military background, folks that would probably normally not listen to me, especially uh, maybe Republicans or that's conservatives, yeah. they're they're going to open up to say, hey, this guy served his country. We, you know, we support the troops. They'll at least listen to me. Whereas I think, you know, sometimes when you hit doors as Democrat, Somebody might tell you, hey, I, I'll never vote for a Democrat or they won't talk to you. 
That's right. Folks will talk to me and they might disagree and say, you know what, I can't vote for you, but I respect you and thank you for your service. So they'll listen. Fantastic. And so that's always been a benefit of my military service. Well, one of the most important issues facing uh, folks in New Mexico and elsewhere is um, obviously healthcare, something that many New Mexicans are still struggling with post-pandemic. You recently said that it's critical to provide incentives and enact legislation that increases the number of medical providers in the state, especially in the rural areas of New Mexico. Specifically, Senator, what what would it take to accomplish this? What would that look like? Sure, I think one thing that people don't recognize, you know, people think of New Mexico as just Albuquerque and Santa Fe and maybe Las Cruces, but we are a huge rural state. So it's really trying to get those providers in those areas, right? And the transportation and really getting those those uh, medical professionals the resources they need to stay there. And so just like the issues that are going around the nation as far as housing, right? Like to get those providers there, we're dealing with that here. But one dynamic we see here in New Mexico because of uh, we're dealing with folks in poverty, Many, most of our majority of our people are on Medicare and Medicaid. And so we're trying to look at ways that we can uh, increase those reimbursement rates, right? So that we can help those medical professionals stay here and make a living. Also, how do we grow our own medical professionals, have our residencies, have them serve in those rural communities, get to know those communities, and then hopefully they'll stay. It's a lot tougher for us to tell someone that grew up in Chicago, come to Gallup, New Mexico and, and, and open up your practice, right? But it's a lot easier for someone who maybe grew up in Albuquerque, who does a residency out there You're right. and then builds, learns that community, gets the resources and the support they need from the state, and then, you know, really be that medical professional for that community. Well, and as you've noted, sir, I mean, um, drug abuse and, and crime are public health issues. And, you yes. know, it impacts our communities, it hurts our local business, hurts economic development. How are you and your colleagues working on addressing this for New Mexico? And what would you like to see happen this year that would make real progress on this issue? Sure. I think when we talk about it, it goes into even like education, housing, right? Um, I think when we talk about a lot of these issues, we just focus on Okay, there's crime and, and we're just gonna lock folks up. We're not we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to do that. We have to focus on what caused that person to make that decision, what caused that person to become addicted to a substance, right? Yeah. And so what I like to see in some of the things that we're trying to do is for one, in our state, we are the first state that's enacting early childhood, you know, for every every kid that's gonna mm -hmm. be born basically from birth. Till they hit kindergarten and that home visiting really taking care of those mothers because in a lot of in those families because in a lot of ways in some instances you're having kids have kids and they yeah. never had that support right and so a lot of the issues that we deal with in our state when it comes to poverty when it comes to crime when it comes to folks unhoused when it comes to drug abuse it's really having that support system from the get-go that doesn't have them fall into you know, making these types of decisions. Right. And so, and it's not to say that poverty makes you, makes you make a decision to do crime or That's make right. bad choices, but it definitely, if you have nothing to lose, you know, I tell people, That's if it. you, if you are financially, you have healthcare, you have a home, you're financially secure. Guess what? You don't make those types of choices. You know, we have something to lose. And so, that's what I like to see is what can we do is, you know, there's even a bill this session to look at 
universal basic basic income with That's women right. who are pregnant. Amazing. You know, we're looking at things like that. And I think we just have to think outside the box to think we're just going to, oh, we just do this, we do this, we do this, and things are going to change. That's not that's not the case. Do you, do you consider gun violence to be a, a public health issue? I do. I do. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and those are, we're trying to address bills this session here as well. Um, we um, are waiting for a bill and we're trying to get a 14-day waiting period to purchase a firearm. Uh, we're looking at a bill right now, uh, the SAFE Act, uh, which Senator Heinrich, our U.S. Senator, is trying to do federally, that would basically ban gas-powered uh, rifles. And so it's really looking at um, assault rifles, but using a different uh, path uh, to ban those types of weapons in our states, uh, in our state. So um, that's great. we're looking at all the above. I mean, those are tough things to pass, um, but we definitely... Um, we can't, for me, um, we can't have weapons of war in our streets. Um, yeah. I mean, we listen to kids. When I was in high school, I didn't worry about that. I'm not going to lie. I mean, there were there were kids I grew up with. I knew who were in gangs that had guns and stuff, right? But there was never a threat they were going to come into school and shoot Correct. everybody. Um, and now I have kids that literally are scared to go to school and there's lockdowns every day. I mean, I didn't deal with that when I was in the military. It's the leading cause of death you know, of young people. Pl- leading yeah. cause of death of yeah. young people in this country now. And it's yeah. so preventable. Our allies don't have these problems. It's true. And I will say that's something that I, when, you know, I did, I did a tour, I did a year in the Middle East and I would talk to people and that was some of the stuff they would, that those are some of the comments they would make to me. They would be like, why in your country do you allow people to go buy guns and just shoot up a school and shoot up a movie theater and shoot up at a store? They don't even understand it. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how we can rationalize and explain that, but to act as if we're going to be numb and we just do nothing. And I, I, you know, it's unacceptable to me. Well, and I know education is an issue that's very close to your heart. You were a substitute teacher yourself and, and you have a deeper appreciation than most of your colleagues about education. What would you like to see happen in the legislature in New Mexico this year that could really conceivably make a concrete difference for students and their teachers in your state? Sure. You know, Another great thing about New Mexico, and I, I just want to give a plug, you know, we're that small, large rural state, a state of about 2.2 million people. But in a lot of ways, we're leading the country. I talked about universal preschool. We're also first in the country to basically pay for free college for everyone in our state. Amazing. And when I say that, we have the opportunity scholarship. Anyone, and it doesn't matter what your age, you could be 50 years old, 70 years old. If you don't have a bachelor's degree, you can go to any state school for free. And we've done that, especially folks who want to transition into a new job. Where we struggle a lot is making sure that our kids are ready for college. Our kids are ready for these new jobs that aren't even here yet, right? Uh, We have our national labs. And a lot of times we hear we don't have the workforce and we have to recruit from out of state. Uh, One thing we are going to do this session is really set up a literacy institute. And like I mentioned before with early childhood, how do we support the families? If we have, for example, we have in Albuquerque, we have kids that are unhoused living in cars that are going to school two to three days a week because they don't know when they're going to be able to get back in school. And so how do you expect a child that's dealing with that 
to come in and take an assessment test and do well in their reading, right? And so that goes back to what we talked about. There's a lot of these issues that we're dealing, that people are dealing with, what our kids are dealing with, low test scores. But if we don't deal with making sure that they have the resources, make sure they have housing, make sure yeah. they have healthcare, right? Make sure they don't have food insecurity. How are we going to overcome those? And so that's what I think we really need to focus on. Can I ask you about water scarcity? I mean, I know water sure. is already scarce at times in your state and with climate change already having a very real impact on your constituents. I'm curious, what needs to be done to ensure that New Mexicans have have guaranteed access to clean water now and in the future? You've talked about um, protection and resilience measures. What do they look like? Sure. You know, um, water is an issue, even more so now with dealing with climate change. We're seeing here in New Mexico um we're just having severe droughts and then we have you know snow and then the rain and you know and then we've had the fires and we're still dealing with the fires you know up north that happened uh, a couple of years ago and so you know the saying here and the saying in our indigenous communities water is life and that's true and so we're looking at what we can do with water how do we you know secure it keep it clean how do we improve our farming techniques you know um to do regenerative farming things like that um in our state but also we're looking at things that we can do as far as um desalination and things like that in our state but i have to tell you we want to look at that but i really want to be careful with what we're doing there what are we what is in that water um is it clean because we have a lot of the oil and gas industry and there was there had been there's been fracking there's been they, yeah. they call the produced water the water that That's comes right. up from there That's right. and so there's a rush because of our water scarcity to oh we can clean that fracking water and i'm like no i hear that too um, yeah. i don't trust that because you're not even telling us what's in the fracking solution so how are we going to clean something that you haven't even told us what is in it so um i will say we're we're taking measures all that we can um, but the reality is we're having to take a lot of resiliency measures because of climate change. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, we also look to a lot of our indigenous communities here in our state, our tribes and pueblos, because, um, you know, they know a lot. Yeah. They've been here uh, time and more. Um, it's Black History Month, as you know, and I want to praise you. You have a great Twitter account. You recently posted a series of very revealing statistics, uh, black unemployment rates by president. I'm sure you got a lot of feedback for this, but you pointed out the worst ever for a president with black unemployment was 1983, 21.2% Ronald Reagan. And the second worst black unemployment rate for a president was 16.9%. 2020 Donald Trump. Uh, best ever, 4.8%. That would be Joe Biden last year. And the current rate is 5.3%. And this last year was the first time ever. The black unemployment never went above 6% in this country. Um, it's interesting to read, and it's fun for people who are rooting against Republicans to read, but what, in your opinion, sir, is the key takeaway here? Uh, what what, what uh, should we—how should we go forward talking about the election we're about to face, looking at hard, cold numbers like this? You know, I think it's about talking about the data and the facts, but I think it's just like the stock market, right? Sometimes people don't feel it. And I say that to say— during the Trump years, there was the stock market, right? And people said, oh, it's great, it's great. And the stock market is actually better now, right? But they're saying the economy's bad. And I say that to say, back in those years with the unemployment the way it was, and the stock market doing well, that 
African-American person was not feeling good about the economy. And right now, even though the unemployment's low, that black person might not still even today feel good about the economy, even though the numbers are, are showing that. That's right. And so I think we have to have those discussions, but we also have to look at other points and, and we just have to be honest. What's going on with our wages? What's going on with, you know, um, what is that person making, you know, and how are they living it? And I just, you know, it's a tough argument to make sometimes because I think in every presidential year, you can make the argument and say, are you better today than you were three or four years ago? Right. And I can honestly say yes. yes and I yes. think a lot of people believe that. Right. And they know that. But when it's an onslaught from the media and folks about gas prices, now gas prices are low. They don't want to talk about it. Right. right. We heard about eggs. We heard about bread. Supply chain issues. Yeah. I mean, they get fixed exactly. and then there's no credit given to the person they blamed for it. It's just forgetting it, scrape, scrubbing the hard drive and moving along to the next gripe. Yeah. And so I think we just have to have those conversations and then also tell folks, remember where we were at, you know, but it, it's tough to have that conversation. But I've had it. And and then when you explain that, then they realize, yeah, you're right. But if they're only hearing that everything is bad hmm. and inflation and you like, hey, hold on a second. Do you remember? Do you remember that tax deal? <laughs> Do you remember what happened? And you remember know what's going on now with your taxes now? Exactly. Do you remember that you got it? There was a tax break, but yours expired. Yours was going to sunset <laughs> and the corporate tax got to stay. And people are talking about a deficit and that's what created it. So it. I think we just have to have those conversations. And it's tough because there's an echo chamber spouting out all this other misinformation or not telling the whole story. Absolutely. Uh, Senator Harold Pope Jr., it is such a pleasure having you on our show. I've so been looking forward to this. I was so afraid that when you had heard Stephanie Miller, you'd run screaming into the night away from this program. Uh, you're invited back here anytime. We'd love to offer this platform to you, sir. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all the work you're doing for the wonderful people of your wonderful state? I love New Mexico so much. I feel so much better knowing that you're part of the legislature. How can our evil army keep up with everything you're doing? Sure. Once again, I represent District 23, Northwest Albuquerque. Um, great to have a national uh, monument park actually in my district, the petroglyphs. Um, you can reach me at herald.popejr at nmlegis.gov. Um, I have my website, popefornm.com. Um, and I don't know if this is okay if I want to give a plug. We actually started a podcast. Nice. And I don't know if that's something yes. that we could share as Please, well. Tell us. And so there are three members. We have a Tres Leches podcast that we started. We just had our second episode come out last Friday. Um, three members of the Senate. We were all elected in 2020. And so I have a member from Española up north, uh, a member from Las Cruces down south, and uh, we just have fun talking about the legislature. So um, it's on all your podcast platforms, Tres, Tres Leches NM. Um, check us out. Right on. Senator Pope, it's such a pleasure to meet you. Please come back and join us again. And thanks for joining us this evening on SiriusXM. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Have a great one. Thank you for your service. Right. We got to take a quick Thank break. You. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls at 866-997-4748. Comedian Rhonda Hansom joins us in the next hour. We will be right back. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. 
I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank you once again to uh, State Senator Harold Pope Jr. Thea, thank you for booking him. You've been booking the best guests lately. And did you know who Bill Bradley was last week? Did you know who that guy was before he came in? Um, I did. I, I hyped did. Him I a heard. Lot. Yeah, I knew he was a senator. I didn't yeah. know he played for the Knicks. I didn't know that part. Yeah, two reasons for my dad to love that guy. Oh my God, when he ran for president, um, a real gentleman. And he said he'd give me a book quote, and that's all that matters. That's why I sucked up. Okay. Hey, we're at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Lisa from New Mexico. Hello and welcome. I just had a lovely conversation with your state senator. Yeah, I'm aware. I was on hold. <laughs> okay. I want to be on there like, yay us, because we rule. Yeah, I love I, Where do you live? Where do you live? Albuquerque. Right on, man. Right on. We are not purple, and I wanted him to say it, and you gave, you robbed me of my chance. And it's been a Monday already, John. Oh, no. Why? What later. happened? What happened? Why, why, why is yeah, it a Monday? Nothing. Like, I'm going to give you details. All right. Well, I care. <laughs> Who answered the phone? Who answered Theo, the, was that you? That was that was that was a uh, uh, Jake Getz who's helping us out tonight. Oh, hello, Jake. Jake gets all the tough calls like this one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Awful. That's okay. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I so, love Albuquerque. I love your I was, city, and I and it was really fun to have him on. I'm sorry that we didn't connect you with him, but uh, what are your thoughts? No, no. What I what I was going to talk about was what he was talking about with healthcare because I work in the healthcare industry. Tell me. And. Everybody in the ER suicidal or shooting up like that's it and none of them have insurance and it's a problem Like I know it's everywhere and he was talking about how all the homelessness and everything that we have is is everywhere too But at least we're trying like they're really trying to do stuff Tell me. I love our state. I love I'm your state too. I love your governor. She joined us on stage once and when she became the governor I, I took a lot of credit for it because she had joined us on stage But there's so many wonderful compassionate p- politicians Mostly Democrats, but I've met some nice Republicans in your state who are really out there fighting and you know It can't just all fall down to uh Breaking bad and better call Saul bringing more jobs into the state and it's great to know that you have so many listen. wonderful public servants you know what? Let people have that perception because we don't want your ass here. Go away. Stay away. <laughs> We're all junkies. Get the fuck out. Kendall, especially you, Kendall. Oh, no. That's where all those motherfuckers live is where he lives. Well, I'm not sure. We got our chair. Kendall lives. Kendall's on the road. He always calls from a different place. I don't know where he'll call from tonight, but. I know where he is. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lisa. Well, I hope your Monday got better. You made mine better. Made mine better. All right. That's, that's the best I can hope for. Thank you. I'll see you very soon. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm getting to all your calls. You've been waiting on hold. I promise I'll get you right away. We'll be joined by comedian Rhonda Handsome. And again, we are at 866-997-4748. Did you know Joe Biden is now confirmed 175 federal judges? That's more than Barack Obama got in four years. 
Not bad. Okay, 866-997-4748. We'll be right back with your calls right here on Progress. Don't go away. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is SiriusXM Progress. First off, let's go, please, people. I want to welcome my co-host for the next hour. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's funny. She's open for Anita Baker and Diana Ross and Aretha Franklin. She does great solo shows. You know her and love her from this show on Tall, Dark, and Handsome Mondays. It is Miss Rhonda Handsome. I'm black, y'all. You are. I had no idea. Rhonda, happy Black History Month. Oh, happy Black History Month, John. Uh, I really want to always think of this as American History uh, Month uh, on steroids because we have accomplished, created, and done so much, starting with absolutely creating and, and building this country literally with our sweat and blood and gone on to do inventions, uh, uh, scientific um <clears throat> Uh, achievements and uh, it, it really is spectacular and I I just wish that we understood it and it was incorporated as American history as something that we were just taught on the regular but we are I in so a time agree. where we we don't want even regular <laughs> uh, white centric um, um, history taught truthfully in America. So I'm happy to have this month. <laughs> I am too. You know, at a time when we literally see this governor of Florida banning AP African-American studies and banning anything, any books in schools, or at least allowing parents the right to have schools pulled off the shelves. And we've seen every book, almost every single book pulled off the shelf, either has to do with the black experience, the Latin experience, or the LGBTQ experience in this country. And all of those stories our American history. Woman's history is American history. You're exactly right. And we have to teach it all. And I've never in my life heard of anybody who didn't want parts of history taught who was also the good guy in any culture of any political persuasion. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's it's also a very good be- beginning of the month for me uh, creatively. I have been uh, I'd like to be making some more money, but I have been having a great time as a creative artist. Uh, I I just received this weekend uh, a certificate from the Kwanzaa Film Festival um, 
honoring me for having the best ensemble cast in a short film I directed uh, by Rowetta Lee Smith. It stars two comedians, um, Jamie Roberts and uh, his wife, Nikki Sunshine. Who I love Nikki Sunshine. Comedy Nikki's done this show a hundred times. In Harlem. Love her. Yes, they they have a, a comedy club that uh, I hope I'll be performing there soon. And the writer, Rowetta Lee Smith, won Best Actress in a Comedy. And um, this is the second time my cast, the cast I've directed, has won an ensemble um, award, acting award. The first one was for directing a play, and nice. this is my first time for directing a film. But, you know... Uh, Let's talk about me. Uh, <laughs> yes. How, how, do we, how do we see these films, Rhonda? How do we see your work? Well, um, the, the next thing that people can actually come out and see on the Lower East Side at the fabulous Sheen Center is a workshop production of Dust of Egypt, uh, which has is a, another step in the life of um this play about Sojourner Truth and her search for her son. And John, I can't help myself from being a little bit giddy. I've been directing for ages, and this is the first time a, a play that I have uh, done has had a second and yet a third uh, step to go. And I hope your wonderful people who uh, listen and support me uh, will come out to the Sheen Center. They can, they'll see on the, that website how fabulous this uh, this venue is. We'll be there in March, and I'll have uh, more about that on my social media and hopefully telling uh, your listeners uh, tickets. Right on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I got to tell you, I'm really sorry. We had one of our favorites on hold, Kendall the Racist. And I was so excited. I thought I almost went to Kendall before you, Rhonda, but then I picked you up. And you know what happened? As soon as you were on the air, Kendall hung up because he suddenly, oh. Kendall the racist, got a little bit afraid to, to come and tussle once you were. So thank you. You're like you're like my bodyguard here, I guess. Uh, so I'll, I'll have to settle. Let me, let me, we're at 866-997-4748. We want to break apart everything that's happened today and over the weekend, particularly with the immigration bill that Donald Trump is determined to destroy because they need chaos and they refuse to have a solution to something they've been calling a crisis. Um, so Sean from California, since Kendall's not here, if you could please just just try to be more racist if you can. Just, uh, you know, we, we were really looking forward to him and then he ran away because well all racists are cowards hi sean welcome you're on with Rhonda. <laughs> well you know me and kendall you know we're like peas and carrots uh, you guys remind uh, me of each other so and as most as most of our listeners know kendall and i were lovers for about seven years back in the 90s he doesn't like when i bring it up it was really hot but it was nothing but sex and eventually we realized we needed more than that to hold a relationship together so it's always awkward when he calls and kendall anytime you do call it will will i promise i won't talk about the many hours of hot sweaty musky man sex you've had in the back of uh cars for your entire life kendall so go ahead please hey just be honest john you know we did a threesome me and Kendall you meet no me and Kendall and some of the uh, moms for Liberty it was it was the worst threesome I ever had (laughs) (laughs) no you go first really no you go first no you go first (laughs) well I'll tell you what you know this is the world we live in I mean the immigration thing you know and by the way hello Miss Hanson I love you so much it's just awesome thank you I want to make you say that but, you know, this immigration thing is so disgusting. Um, 
You can't, you can make jokes, but it's disgusting because we're talking about human beings, right? Yeah. Innocent, innocent people. And it doesn't matter if it's Gaza and Palestinians or anywhere else in the world or our border or anything else. It's innocent people. But Republicans are so, you know, oh, let me just give the tax cuts to the richest people who are employing the ill. That's it. That's it. That's it. Say it. The people work. And I'm saying it. The people that come across the border to work. And but you know what? They're not only just picking our vegetables and make sure that we have good prices on our vegetables and all that kind of thing. They're in the construction world. They're building our houses. Yeah. They're they're making sure that our subdivisions and our vertical buildings, they're housing people. Yes. Right. And so and they're employed by white Americans who know what they're doing and who do it to save money so they don't have to hire an American born worker and pay them a living wage. And they do it because they know law enforcement in the border states is not going to fuck with them for dangling these jobs and bringing the illegals over. That's the dirtiest secret about our Republican Party. You want to criticize our abortion policies, our border. Let's do it all day long. But you cannot trust the Republicans on a word they could end it Rhonda. tomorrow they could end undocumented immigration they don't want to they like the cheap labor they like the cheaper goods they say one thing but like you know how i, I the day that republicans actually care about sex ed and easier access to birth control i'll believe they care about abortion the day they start locking up the white people who put the help wanted sign at our border i'll believe they actually care about undocumented immigration it's uh, it, it's a horrible thing that they keep hiring people who are coming in like this. At the same time, there are massive layoffs. I think just this week, a couple of corporations were laying off thousands of people. John, yes, yes. I, I, I don't, I, I, I really, I, I don't appreciate that at all. And I also, I don't know what transpired today but i also don't like the idea of these bundles these uh these um proposals being bundled i mean like why is our american border uh and i may be wrong about this but i thought that it was being bundled with aid to israel and to um yeah. to ukraine can i, I answer can i answer I, that question can i answer that for please you? do because i'm very upset well, about that i am too it's actually a pretty funny story uh it's that way because republicans demanded it Rhonda. And if we have any Republicans here who want to take that up with me and disagree, we welcome your calls. 866-997-GRIT. They said any funding for Ukraine to repel Vladimir Putin's murderous invasion of slaughter and rape, any funds to help push that. And again, my attitude is you either support Vladimir Putin's invasion or you support repelling it. But the Republicans demanded any financial support would have to be tied to some funding for the border. What did we hear all through the summer, all through the fall? Well, helping Ukraine's all well and good, but why are we caring about their border and not about our own? And so they kept saying hey. it and saying it, and any deal to help Ukraine had to be tied. You Democrats care about the Ukraine border more than ours. Blah, blah. Six fucking months hearing this every day. So finally, you know the Democrats bent over backwards. They made this. I mean, this bill, 
it, it's it's made by James Lankford and Kirsten Cinema, so you know it's two thirds evil before we start. Amnesty International has come out against this bill; it's so racist and draconian. And now they finally given the Republicans everything they want—a bill that's. Yeah, I mean, you think supporting Israel as they slaughter Gaza is pissing off the Democratic base? Imagine if this fucking thing passed. And now that they finally are ready to do it, Rhonda, now the Republicans, they, they don't want it. They, they don't care I, what their terms were six months ago. Donald Trump said two weeks ago he doesn't want to give Joe Biden a win. So they've all been screaming about a crisis. And now they've all said this crisis needs to go on for another 11 months. That's it. It's crazy. I mean, these bundles are worse than m- my internet uh, accounts that I have. Uh, <laughs> try, I've been trying to pay for. Yeah, I, I understand. I, we, we, why can't we separate these things and deal with them? The, the chaos is only going to intensify. Like we don't already have enough chaos, John. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, just the, just the uh, beefing between female rappers is making my head spin. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree with that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's Roxanne Chante. Yeah, hey, and especially know, after the I'll Grammys. Tell you, brother, yes, you know, Sean. Isn't it crazy? Tell me. Isn't it crazy that you know we'll take the Ukrainian immigrants, right? Because they're white. You, I'm serious. We'll take yeah. them. They can come here in the war-torn area because we are taking them. But we want to make a. Not only are we taking them, we're giving them social security, which I don't understand yet. I, I, I'm going to have to get a, a, a slideshow to explain that to me. But uh, yes, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they if they become citizens and they're working here and paying taxes into our social security system, then yeah. But that's the great thing about Just taking like adult. When, when we take fully grown immigrants who come to this country. That's the advantage. They're not kids. We don't have to pay to educate them. They can enter our workforce right away and within a week start paying into our social security system and uh, and paying taxes, local, state, and federal. So that's the advantage of take bringing in able-bodied adults. And this is where I point out once again that all immigrants, both undocumented and, and legal, commit crimes at a much lower rate than natural-born citizens. Hello. Yeah. You know, that's true. Well, I mean, th- this may be true, but I do feel like people who are undocumented and may have been uh, n- not the best people in, in their own country can also be uh, harboring nefarious plans once they get here, John, and sure. not being documented can really uh, hamper following up on the simplest of crimes. I mean, people are telling me that 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 um, immigrants are walking up and just knocking on their doors and asking for food. Now, I no one's done that where I am in, in the South Bronx, but uh, I really feel like we are not. This is something that should have been taken care of decades ago. And we already do have laws that are supposed to be governing this. And it's like where we it's, it's like we we're in a house of mirrors and have no idea how to work our way but, but around. You understand it. that in many cases, these people are fleeing the violence that comes from our drug war. Right. And none of the politicians want to talk about this. I mean, I've done stand up in, in Central America and El Salvador and Honduras, and we have military bases there because our drug war is still going on. And a lot of the folks from Central America are fleeing the violence from our own drug war. And they all come over here. And again, they're they're seeking a better life. It's everything that that statue in the harbor says. And if you're standing on our land, 
you're legally allowed to claim asylum. It takes a long time well, for a claim to be heard, and that's why they're trying to get this money to hire more people to process the claims a lot faster and either let someone stay and have a pathway to citizenship or send them back sooner. I'm not arguing with you on that point at all, John, but do you know the fallout from the drug war right here in America has been devastating? Yes, I do Absolutely know. Absolutely devastating. I know. It's still going on. Uh, we won't go out. And we're not, and by the way, the Sacklers have hurt the American people a lot more than the dealer on your corner. I mean, it's the billionaires who pushed legalized, taxable, regulated opioids on American citizens for a solid decade that have caused so much addiction, that have caused so many people to be hooked, and that have caused so many folks to realize, I can't afford my prescription of Oxy anymore, but this kid down the block is going to sell me heroin that's cheaper and stronger. And we'll never go after the pimps and dealers who pushed all this stuff and incentivized doctors to get people hooked. We go after the poor guy on the corner. So, you know, My it's like, go ahead. point on this, John, yes. is that we is the supposedly the strongest, most moralistic country in the world, which we can be if we want to reassert ourselves, get our moral compass, compass back in order, is that we go to our neighbors, which is Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, all these countries coming, and we help them have an economy that boosts That's their it. people. Look, yes, I mean, what 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 if their what if their country's economy was so great they didn't want to come here? Imagine if we Hell could help no. these satellite nations instead of just letting them suffer, and then they're going to all come here. I mean, that's what you would do for your kids. I'll tell you what, brother. The, every person that I've ever known, at I'm 56, who's come here to you know work. Um, whether they're undocumented or became citizens, because I know both, um, they have a work ethic that we need to reinsert in our country. Don't tell me, maggots, that you know what work ethic is until you know someone that's come from another country who had to struggle from yeah. nothing, yeah. no money. Well, you're country. right. You're 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 right about that. But I don't discount the American work ethic, especially in the black community. I mean, I don't I either. Mean, but he's he's talking centuries about for free. But he's talking about he, look. He's so. talking about he's talking about bigots. And I'm not in favor of open borders. That was Ronald Reagan who wanted open borders. Who used the term open borders? Who used the term amnesty? I'm not. But what gets me crazy is when I see these people who just don't care about the folks at the border, don't care about the suffering that drove them here. They don't really care about how many undocumented folks are here because they like paying less for food and produce. They just want to be mean and they want to be mean for votes. And when I see these people pretending to be Christian, but the first group they want to slur are the Christian refugees at our southern border, despite the New Testament and Old Testament's commandments to welcome the stranger. <laughs> to me, it's not a simple question of, you know, wanting open borders. I'm, I just get pissed off at hypocrisy. I get pissed off at mean, well, shitty John, white people. Hypocrisy is the religion of America. I'm sorry. It, yeah. it, it's uh, it's it's cloaked in a faux Christianity and uh and it really is uh, uh, a proliferation of hypocrisy across the board, uh, you know, in all areas. That's correct. Absolutely. Sean, thank you very much. I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you real quickly. Okay. You know what? Black folks have to overperform more than anyone in the United States of America. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that those trying to come in that, you know, maybe brown and not black, um, 
they are ready to work because, to make a better life too. But I'll, nobody has to do more in our country to have a quality of life than our brothers and sisters in the black community. I get you. I, thank you for acknowledging that, Sean. And the, the other part of that is that when we thrive, when we are successful, the society itself works to destroy us. I mean, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma is not the only place. Uh, Seneca Village right here where Mm. Central Park is built is not the only place. When we have Black Wall Streets all across this nation, Mm -hmm. when we have thriving communities that have um, institutions, banks, churches, stores, and uh, somehow they end up underwater or burned out, bombed out. So uh, I'm glad to hear uh, you acknowledging that we work. It's not that we've never been lazy, especially the the, the, the hundreds of years that we work for free. But the, the issue for me is when we are ambitious, when we are successful, that the society itself works against That's true. our future systemic that's when we start hearing those words we start hearing those words like arrogant (laughs) i heard barack obama call arrogant so many more times than i ever heard dick cheney call the same word it's the new uppity sean thank you so much for the call we are at 866-997-4748 sorry Rhonda. go ahead oh john dick cheney is a much better shot than uh barack obama i'm he's much better with a gun i'm sure did you hear about the new poll last week the new from pew uh, research that says that now um when americans are asked about religious affiliation 28 percent now check the none box which means um, atheists, obviously, and agnostics, and people who were raised religious but just consider themselves spiritual, people who have a spiritual belief but don't subscribe to any particular religion. Um, most of them, it says, still believe in God. And it's 28% of Americans. That's more than Catholics in this country. <laughs> we, we are, I, I don't want to sound uh, pessimistic, John. I'm not going to say we're doomed. I'm just going <laughs> to think it. I, I'm not. I'm not actually going to say it. <laughs> okay. I saw all these stories saying, "Why are so many people becoming atheists? Why are so many people leaving the church?" And then the same day, I saw that there's 26,313 rape victims in Texas who are being forced by Greg Abbott and Donald Trump to carry their rapist baby against their will and be pregnant. I saw Alabama executing a man with a poison that the American Veterinary Association said you shouldn't kill dogs with 24 years ago. I mean, I see lots of evidence out there why people are turning away from religion, and it's almost always right-wing religious people. 